it's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord together to worship. We are so glad that you're with us here to continue our series, Just Love. And I'll be up front. If you remember the children's sermon or my sermon, it doesn't matter. Just remember one of them, all right? Because we are going to talk about those three things. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And we've experienced some great moments over the last two months in this Just Love series. We've learned what it means to love uh, God and for God to love us. We've learned what it means to love others, and that could look like listening or forgiving And I look at this passage that we're going to read today, and I feel like it just summarizes everything that we've talked about over the last couple months. Um, How to love our coworker, our neighbor, our friend, the cashier we come in contact with, everyone that we're around. Before we get to that, I'm wondering if there's anyone here today that has ever been in trouble with your parents. Some of you may have to think back years, others maybe minutes. (laughs) Who knows? But we can all realize and understand that we have uh, been in trouble with our parents. And the way I look at a family unit, God has put parents in their role for a reason. God has given parents the ability to create guidelines and expectations based off of his word for the kids. And, And kids... If you step outside of those guidelines, it may not go so well for you. But if you stay inside those guidelines, it will go well. I think that's a fair assessment of what parents are called to do. Now, I remember times when I was in trouble with my parents, and maybe at the time I didn't appreciate it. But looking back on it, that was them showing me love. Because if they let me do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted... I would be a different person today. God uses parents in our lives to show us love, sometimes through discipline. And we're going to look at Micah 6. And Micah 6, 8, you've heard it sung a couple times. You've heard it talked about in the children's sermon. I think it's important for us to get a little bit of the background. So we're going to read the first eight verses of Micah. And if you'd like to join me in Micah, it's one of those books that you may not be as familiar with. So it's in the Old Testament. If you open up to the middle, you'll hit Psalms. Go to the right. Uh, you'll go through Jeremiah, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jonah, and then Micah. Before we read out of Micah, let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being faithful and just. We can always rely on you. And we know that you are always there to show us love. Love through blessings and love through punishment. God, you love us. And you want the best for us, for your glory. And we pray that today we will experience your truth. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's read the first eight verses of Micah. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. 
Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for my, the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now we've been looking at different steps to take in loving well during this series. And we're going to get to that in that verse 8. But I think we have to unpack what happens before verse 8 to get a better understanding. The first three verses, it's like a courtroom case. They are pleading their arguments And we know that there's an agreement between the Lord and the Israelites. The covenant where God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations. A great people and that Abraham's descendants would obey God. God would guide them and protect them and give them the land of Israel. But it wasn't just simply obedience on the part of the Israelites. God wanted them to live in such a way that said, God is the only God. He is the only God that we will worship. He wanted everyone in the world to see who he was through the lives of the Israelites. So I wonder what complaints the Israelites may have raised against God in this courtroom. Why did you put us in captivity? Why are we in exile? Why didn't you protect us? And then I wonder what God's thoughts were on this. Why did you disobey again and again? You look at the book of Judges, and it was over and over again. Israelites would disobey. They would be punished. They would cry out to God, and they'd come back to God. God would protect them and bring them back. And over and over again, this cycle. This is not something new for the Israelites or for God. They have not obeyed God. And in the courtroom, God says, So what have I done that has hurt you? Where have I burdened you? Answer me. And then God says, Let me show you what I have done. Remember Egypt? Remember when you were in slavery? Yeah, I brought you out of slavery. I, I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to bring you out of that. Remember that guy named Balak? Yeah, he wanted to pronounce curses over you. 
but I spoke through Balaam so that you would be blessed. Remember that you were blessed instead of cursed. And how about getting into the promised land? Remember that I was faithful to bring you into the promised land. Do you remember, Israel, what I have done for you? That I have always been faithful, that I've always been there for you, that I've acted justly towards you. That I have been around. I have never left you. I'm wondering if we are sometimes like the Israelites and don't remember God's faithfulness. Do you remember all that God has done for you? Maybe it was an answered prayer. Maybe it was healing from sickness. But if we admit that we are probably similar to the Israelites, we ask the question, why? I have to tell you, over the last two weeks, I've asked a lot of why questions. I've asked a lot of why questions surrounding a lot of different things, and one of them uh, with Paul. Why, God? That's not my plan. But it's God's desire. And so when it comes to life, and it comes to our plan versus God's plan, if God says, go left... And it may not be the road you want to go down or you think right looks good. Always go with God. God is always faithful. God is always just. God is always going to lead us in the way that he desires. So what is the response that we see? They come back to God and say, Well, what what should we give you? Sacrifices? Thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of oil? Maybe our firstborn. Could we give you our firstborn? It's like they're going big or going home. And I wonder why they're choosing to respond this way. Could it be that they realize, after hearing of God's faithfulness and being reminded that he is always there, that the complaints that they had actually are their own fault? And they bow before God and say, God, we want to give you everything we have. We are so sorry. We want to give you everything we have. Or it could be that they just wanted to go away. Here, um, how about we give you all these rams? How about we give you all this oil? How about we even give you our firstborn? Hey, whatever you want, God, just stop being mad at us. Now, husbands, I don't know if you've ever had this in your relationship with your wife. Have you ever just wanted to have something go away? Like maybe they're upset at you. And so... How about I wash dishes for a week or, or vacuum the floor every day? You know, just so you, you're not mad at me anymore. Okay, my, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Sometimes we don't like the conflict and the tension, right? And, and I look at this and I think that's what Israel is, is responding. Like, we don't want this tension with God, so we're going to do whatever we, we can just to make him happy. And it's not a heart change. And I think we can see that by their response of, Can we offer you our firstborn? That seems like a pagan example (laughs) to sacrifice your firstborn to appease God. That shows me that they don't really understand what God is asking or desires. But thanks be to God that he doesn't leave them there in this misunderstanding. He gives us verse 8. He showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with 
your God. This was nothing new to the Israelites. In fact, this word for justly, justice, 400 times it is spoken in the Old Testament. Mercy, 250 times. This is not a new thing for the Israelites. They have heard this over and over and over again. But God is gracious. And he tells them and he reminds them. Maybe, maybe the Israelites are just like us. Because it seems by Tuesday we've forgotten what Sunday sermon was, right? So maybe the next Sunday we should just say the same sermon so that we keep reminded of this over and over again. So first, act justly. Yeah, it's all about acting fairly, morally right. One of the commentaries I read this week said, We must do wrong to no one, but do right to all. Wrong to no one, right to all. Those are pretty all-inclusive words, no one and all. We have to be in line with God's desires of treating other people. I don't know about acting fairly and morally right. That sounds like love to me. If I am acting right towards you, I am loving you. And we all desire to be, to be done right to instead of wronged. The second one is love mercy, which, which means to forgive, to show kindness, to be tender-hearted. And you notice something, that God does not put limitations on either one of these. He doesn't say to act justly and love mercy to those you like, or your friend, or even a fellow church member. God leaves the door open to love mercy, period. To act justly, period. So to forgive someone, even if they've never admitted they hurt you in the first place. To be kind, even if they are mean. To be tender-hearted, even if they're pushing all your buttons at the same time. Can I get an amen, parents? <sighs> Kindness, forgiveness, fairly. This is what God requires of us. He requires us to be the bigger person in a situation. To treat people right to extend kindness in the midst of hate. I hope this sounds reasonable to us as believers. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how we should live. But it's putting into practice that's the hard part. I think the Israelites struggled with this too. They, they knew what they should do, but it's not what they did do. There seems to be a large gap between the head and the heart and the actions. I wonder if we can look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Think about these two people groups that were enemies of each other. And in that moment, the Samaritan acted justly, loved mercy, showed kindness, showed fairness, went over and beyond what the friend would have deserved. See, when we talk about justice and we talk about mercy, we cannot blame it on someone else for not doing it. 
You're going to say, well, they were mean, so I don't have to love them or show them mercy. It's a truth that we may not want to hear. But it's not their problem, it's our problem. If I don't love someone, that's on me. If I don't show someone mercy, that's on me. It's not on them. We get to control ourselves. They get to control themselves. And this fairness, this mercy, is not based on human understanding. It's based on a godly understanding of what fairness is, of what mercy is, forgiveness, truth, kindness. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I could do it by myself. Because there are days that I do not show mercy or kindness or forgiveness, especially in the midst of an argument or somebody offends me or makes me upset my initial reaction is that I have the right to respond the same way that they did to me. And God says, no. That is not what I have for you. And thankfully, he doesn't leave us there. He ends this part by saying, walk humbly with your God. And I love how this verse, in one verse, points us right back to the Ten Commandments. Those first two things... It's about how we interact with the world around us, like the second part of the Ten Commandments. The first part of the Ten Commandments is, reminds us here of walk humbly with your God. God first. God alone. No idols. It's not about you. It's all about God. So how does one walk humbly with God? It means that you follow God's plan that you seek God, that you come alongside God and follow his truth. You surrender. You sacrifice. One of my favorite verses about this is Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Do you want to know how to act justly and love mercy? First, you need to walk humbly with God. God desires a sacrifice from us. The sacrifice of our pride, of our plans, of our sin, of our selfishness, of our control. Saying, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. I am working with another pastor here in town who's doing his doctorate. And he asked me to go through these devotions uh, that he had set out. And these devotions started at five minutes a day, and now they're up to 20 minutes a day. And they're all about sacrificing your life for God, surrendering your life to God. And at first, it seems repetitive, but now 
I find it a joy every day to spend 20 minutes just surrendering my life to God. Because all of a sudden, it's no longer about me. It's about God and God living through me. God desires for us to take those moments to put him first. And sometimes I forget. This last week on Wednesday, it was a a difficult day for me. I felt like there was about 50 things that needed to get done all at once. Ever had those days where you're just overwhelmed and you don't know where to start? And for like three hours, I tried on my own. You know how far I got? Not very far. More frustrated than anything. And so I said, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to spend time with God. And so I spent 10 minutes just talking with God, laying it all out. And as soon as I surrendered that time to him, everything just came into place. The words came to my mind, what I needed to write, what I needed to have for the sermon. There was no longer anxiety or stress. It's because this was God at work and not me trying to rely on my own power. Some of us today may need to surrender. Maybe for the first time I realize something very important. that We need to surrender to God every day. If you would like a next step, this is the next step that I would encourage you to do each and every day this week. When you wake up, before you do anything else, surrender the day to God. Walk humbly. God, it's your plans, not my plans. God, help me to see others around you the way you see them. Help me to act justly in the midst of chaos. Help me to love mercy when people are causing tension in my life. God, I cannot do it alone. Because when we walk humbly with God, his spirit naturally lives in us. If you read through again this story of Micah 6, God starts out and tells us who he is. And I don't know about you, but when I really sit back and think of who God is, I realize how small I am. How imperfect I am compared to this perfect God. And there are sometimes I like to uh, see if I can make it up to God. Maybe if I just give a little more, uh, gave a little more money. Maybe if I uh, just worked a little harder or uh, volunteered a little more. Maybe if I loved more then I can make up for these things that I've done to God. And God tells me, no, you can never make it up, but that's okay, I already did. I sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to do more. You just have to walk humbly with me. Know me, know my son. And then you will live according to what I have planned for you. And so church, I don't know if you need to surrender something to God today. 
I don't know if you need to surrender control of your job or your school or your relationships or your family, whatever it is. If we want to love well, if we want to show mercy and show justice to the people around us, we need to first walk humbly with God. So as we close today, I want you to take some time. I'm going to offer some time of quietness for you to walk humbly with the Lord today before you leave. I just ask you to go before God and surrender control. Surrender control of whatever is, is bugging you, whatever you feel like you need uh, to do. Let's just give it to God. And let him speak truth into your life. So let's pray. God, you are God and we are not. Lord, we surrender this day, this week, this month, this year, this life to you. God, thank you for your forgiveness through your son. Thank you for your spirit that guides so that we can walk out of this place in love, not on our own power, in the power of your spirit working within us. It is not something we have to work at, but something that we do naturally because we are led by your spirit. God, help us to be led by your spirit today. Help us to experience you more and more. That we can walk out of these doors and that we can love the city, the business, the school, the neighborhood, the family you have put us in so that people would see you and glorify your name. Pray this in your name. Amen. I find that uh, Micah 6, 8 is like one of those fire hose kind of verses. It's, <clears throat> this is all you got to do is act justly and walk humbly and love mercy. That's it. That's a lot. So for next steps, I like to try to break things down. Jeremy's already broken down one of those. If it's really a a place of surrender that you feel like God's leading you to, then just focus on that. And I would suggest that the readings that he's included in the back of the outline would be really helpful for that. If you just spent some time each week, each morning when that surrender, looking at these passages, there's some really rich stuff here about what that might look like for you and let the Spirit kind of direct you in that. So maybe the surrender piece is all that you're going to focus on. That'd be a great next step.